0: Welcome to Be A Better Speaker with me, Graham David, expert speaker. And this podcast is for you if you want to be a better speaker, facilitator, presenter or trainer. It's full of practical tools, tips and techniques to help you be better. This podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk. In this episode, what I want to talk about is How do you balance what you say with how you say it? Now, as always, anything I do in a podcast, uh, in the Be A Better Speaker series, is all about how can you, whether you're thinking about meetings, briefings, conferences, whether it's your social life, uh, family life, or most often, I think, for many people at work, whether you're in-house, whether you're a freelance speaker, how can you maximise your ability to get your message across? And this question often comes up, And it's a question that people fundamentally misunderstand. So when I'm working with new speakers or with uh, train-the-trainer groups, um, the same conversation actually comes up quite frequently with what we might call executive communication, how to put your message across. And the question is always, is it what you say or is it how you say it? And clearly most people twig pretty early on. There's going to be a bit of a balance of both. But the question is what is the importance of both? So most people will say, well, it's mainly about what you say with a small element of how you say it. I don't know, 80-20 or 90-10, for example. Um, and this isn't talking about the the Morabian quote either. You've, you've probably seen that one, the 55%, the 38%, and the 7%. It's nothing to do with that. But it's it's all about how you come across now whether we are talking at a an informal weekly meeting or a daily briefing whether it's the the whole company conference whether it's something in your social life your family life if you're in house if you are an external speaker or presenter or trainer in all of these cases there are times when you have to stand up and put an argument across or you have to convince other people of something you have to make an announcement you have to work with an L&D And in all of these cases, the reality of what I'm telling you now is absolutely true, and it's this. What you say is absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, as important as how you say it. If you want to split, it's 50-50. Now, that might sound incredible, right? It's surely, surely there's got to be slightly more weight in what you say, but there isn't. And the reason that there isn't links to the fundamental misunderstanding that many people have about speaking in public. I'll give you some examples, and I hope this will make it clear. Often in a, uh, in a conference, for example, when the conference organisers are, are putting the running order together, it will be suggested that we need to hear a few words from uh, the finance team because we, we, yeah, we want a, a snapshot of the figures for the year. Well, this makes sense at a conference, but then what happens is, rather than finding somebody who can present the idea in a way that most of us will understand, instead what they get is the most qualified person to talk about numbers. Now, not being disrespectful to anybody, but the most qualified person in the organisation to talk about numbers is not necessarily the best person to explain in a way that most people can understand you see there's that difference between the absolute precise expert version of the answer and the answer that most of us will be able to follow. Now, clearly, there are going to be some exceptions. So if we are thinking in terms of uh, a highly engineered solution or offer, uh, if there's something that involves very precise calculations, then we probably need the author in order to help us through that. But that doesn't change the fact that, If all they're going to do is read a slide to us or or read an outcome or a discovery to us, we might then be better about questioning, is a public announcement the best way to put that material across? Because fundamentally, when you're speaking publicly, in any of the formats that I've explained, it's not just about the content. It is 100% absolutely certain you've got to balance how you say what you say. Another example should make this really clear. Um, there are frequently now HR for manager courses, and these are sometimes run by the HR team, sometimes they're run by solicitors. So, um, a, a, lo- a local law firm may say, Right, we're going to run a three hour seminar on the uh, requirements that, as a, as a business, you must make sure you get right when employing people. And then when you see the seminar or you attend the HR for manager's course, what you've actually got is somebody who is undoubtedly highly skilled in employment law, but not highly skilled at facilitating a meeting. So in other words, what they tend to do is to stand there and just quote stuff at you. And not only do they just quote stuff and then show you slides or show you graphs or charts or quote case studies at you, and it is out, it's not, it's not with you. The difficulty remains is that this does not necessarily suit a meeting format. So a meeting format has got to be wherever possible two-way. It's got to allow for input and engagement from the audience. Everybody says they want engagements. You don't get that by standing there lecturing people on these are the rules as pertain to employment law or any other subject. So instead what we need to start to do is to consider... If this is correct, and it absolutely is, the the in that example, the update might be better to be done by an email, or a report, or an online course. The benefit of getting people together in a room is we have that engagement, we have the chance to ask questions, we have the uh, the opportunity to disagree or to give our views. We um, we can be canvassed on what we think. We can uh, iron out difficulties. So. The reality is that there's a whole lot more that can happen live and should happen live, but that will only happen if you as a speaker understand this key fact. What you say is as important as how you say it. Now, I learnt this uh, a slightly backwards way around about 20 years ago. And at that point, um, my training company, Blue Beetle, was largely supporting other training companies. So what we would do is we would supply the live case study elements, but it would be bolted onto the key training offer that the company had put together. So they would do, if you like, all the heavy lifting. That's, that's, that was kind of their part of the deal. And we would go in and we would bring together, uh, bring to life various case studies. We'd bring together some difficult characters and give the delegates the opportunity to practice some of the skills. Well, quite early on clients started asking me directly if I could run training courses and in the early days the reality is I didn't always have quite as much content as I might have wanted or uh, I didn't have quite the breadth of experience as I might have wanted as you'd expect in a new business but I pretty much even on the the thinnest training curricula because I had a good offer with the live case studies because I had the, the character input, because I had my way of speaking with and facilitating the group, I always got very, very good reports and feedback. Even though the content I now look back on and I know it wasn't as good as it should have been. Now, that doesn't mean that you can get away with just having uh, poor content but great delivery, but it does illustrate the importance And the power of great delivery what we're looking for of course is great delivery matched with great content most people i see have got the content bit sorted most of the people i work with and you may be the same absolutely know your topic it doesn't matter what your topic is right in the context of the presentation you're giving whether we're talking about model trains whether we're talking about the holiday you had last year and the socio-economic benefits of everybody having holidays, whether we're talking about HR law, whether we're talking about the new sales process, it really genuinely doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure you know your topic, otherwise you wouldn't be attempting to speak on your topic. The knack, then, is how we get to the how of how you're going to put it across. And for me, there's only really one sensible way to do this. And without going... Um, all tree-hugging on you, what I'm looking at here is you have to be authentic to yourself. And what that means is not getting on stage and suddenly changing into something or someone else. To quote an advert from some years ago, you need to be you, but on a good day. Now, the best way I can explain this, frequently at conferences, you've probably seen people that... You know what they're like, but they get on stage and they, they go nuts. They like, like race around, and they go, OK, are we all excited to be here? And the you know, slightly embarrassed audience goes, yeah. And the guy at the front goes, I can't hear you. Are we excited to be here? And now an even more embarrassed audience goes, well, yeah, I suppose. so," And it kind of rambles on like that. You've possibly seen people overcompensate because they know they're on stage and they're trying to be lively. You've probably also seen people that you know are bright and bubbly and uh, vivacious and chatty and friendly, but the moment they get on stage and they're trying to talk to people, it's like someone flicks a switch and all of a sudden that's it. They become monosyllabic, they struggle to put their words together, they look at their feet, it's a pretty awful situation. So am I suggesting loads of confidence? Am I suggesting... Gentle humor? Am I suggesting lots of energy? Well, actually, I'm not suggesting any of those things. I'm suggesting that you take you when you're comfortable because you probably work pretty well, right? You've been you for a long time and you've figured out how to talk to other people. Now, you may be really quiet, you may be quite a considered person, you may speak softly, you may be. Bounding full of energy, perhaps you're known to be very earnest and really hold your beliefs. Maybe you really consider everything you say. Maybe you have a flippant and dangerous sense of humour. Maybe you're lightning fast with numbers. I don't know, and in the nicest possible way, it doesn't really matter that I don't know. What does matter is that you think, what is it that makes you work? That's what you do on stage. Now, sometimes you have to turn it up. I'll give you an example of what I mean by this in a moment. And sometimes you have to pull some of those traits back. What you're starting to do is to see yourself as a product on stage. So you're you're separating in your mind. It's not you on stage. It's a version of you. And it's the version of you that most suits the way you like to be. So I'll sort of give you an example. Now, most people that have worked with me have concluded that I'm pretty confident. In fact, some people might conclude that I'm ever so slightly arrogant. And that walking a line between confidence and arrogance probably quite well sums up my on-stage persona. Now, in reality, if you met me, I'd be pretty appalled if you thought I was arrogant. I really wouldn't want you to think I was arrogant. But on stage, I don't mind just pushing that slightly. I don't mind you thinking, this guy seems a bit full of himself. Because in that tiny slice of the world... I'm pretty confident. I know what I'm doing, I know how I'm coming across, and I don't mind pushing that slightly. Now, I use humour quite a lot day to day. I generally see, see the funny side of things, or I can see the funny side of things, so I allow that to happen on stage. It's almost a certain irreverence. Now, again, irreverence can be taken too far. Sometimes people can be offended, and in truth... Over the years, there have been people who have decided they don't like my approach. They've found me to have said something silly or flippant or offensive. And for the record, I absolutely do not want to offend anyone. But. Big word, but. Whilst I don't want to offend anybody, I know that my best chance to be compelling on stage, right, And this is what you've got to be aiming at. You don't want to be okay on stage. You don't want to get through all the points. You don't want to cover off all the key areas. You don't want to just get through it all without forgetting your lines. None of that's good enough. You want to be compelling on stage. And to be compelling on stage, for me, I know that that slight irreverence does me a lot of favours. The majority of people quite like it. Some people are a little bit challenged by it, occasionally very occasionally, an individual may decide it doesn't suit them. And whilst I'm not necessarily comfortable that it doesn't suit everyone, I've got to understand that my best chance to be compelling is that some people will have a reaction that isn't as positive as I would have liked to have been. And that's pretty much it. So you need to find that area for you. So I always say to people, it's not about bounding around the stage, it's not about using humour, it's not about using high energy, it's not about refusing on the whole to use slides or notes. And All of those are key parts of my presentation style. It's not about all of those, but it could be. Right? It's not about being crazy or wacky or energetic or over the top, although you on a good day could be those things it's about being as close to the way you normally are on stage on stage is a surreal experience as you'll know if you've ever done it and particularly if you have a large number of people there it can be high pressure there's a lot of effort and uh, a focus and attention of course on you you might have a microphone you might be lit up there might be an entire stage area dedicated to you. There might be slides showing and illustrating what you're talking about. In other words, it's all about you. And the best way you can sink into obscurity or make a mess of it all is to try and be like somebody else or to be like something else. The best way you can make the most of this and to to to, to deliver the best version of this you possibly can is to be as close to you as you no, you are comfortable with. So if you think about those times when you've held court and you've chatted, whether it's one or two friends or four or five people at a barbecue or at a pub or a restaurant or that time, that the example often news is that time when you told the story about everything that went wrong in your last holiday or how you met your partner or uh, the, the time your dog escaped and you were running around looking for him for three hours. Those are the times that quite naturally we tend to just fall into patterns and ways of being ourselves. And that is compelling, because that's the way that you have grown up and matured and learnt how to speak and hold an audience. And the only time it goes wrong is when people suddenly start to be forced to stand behind a podium or to say, I'll throw the floor open to questions, which is a thing that people never say. Normally we just go, what questions have you got? right? People don't want to go, I'll throw the floor open to questions, and then wait for the whole artifice of a microphone being passed around the the audiences. This whole thing where when people in a conference say phrases like, without further ado, no one says without further ado, unless they're in a conference and they're slightly nervous. The man who needs, I've been introduced as the man who needs no introduction, followed by an introduction, yeah? (laughs) It's, It's a nervousness that people allow to creep in and stops them performing, presenting, and speaking the way that they are best suited to doing that. And that is as close to them as possible. You see, your accent, your way of walking, walking, working, talking, what you do with your gestures, all of that is fine. The way you do that is fine. Now, the only caveat on all of that, there is some effort you're gonna have to put in here, The only caveat is you do need to, I said earlier on, up or down those traits depending on who the audience is. I'll give you some real-world examples. When I speak to um, a board or a senior leadership team and I'm selling something and I've got 10 or 15 or 20 minutes to pitch, I'm still going to go in with the essence of the way that I speak and present, but I might tone down some of the comedy probably going to tone down the irreverence, although the confidence will still be there, still going to be making direct eye contact with people, still pitching for and working for that business, but I'm going to tone down. So what they see is what they want to see, somebody who's very confident and strong at making the proposition to them directly. If I'm working with an audience that is a bit disgruntled with something their organisation has done to them, then I might turn down the arrogance a little bit and allow up a little bit of empathy to show through. Empathy may not be my normal natural state, I'm free to admit that, right? But in that situation, people want a little bit more space, a little bit more wriggle room to be able to explain what it is they are worried about. And that would run through any particular type of audience. Occasionally you get audiences that are... Somewhat off the scale in terms of energy, either because they're very, very angry. In which case, I might uh, turn up a certain amount of humour. Um, I'm not going to to go head to head with an audience. There's more of them. I will lose. And occasionally, I get audiences that just are absolutely positive, switched on, bouncing off the walls. In which case, I'll really up the arrogance level and let them know that I'm going to be running this session. And that's all I mean by funding your authentic voice. It's all about who is it that you are comfortable doing and being and then transferring that to a stage in front of people, whether four or five or four or five hundred. It's about funding those key elements that allow you to best present your message. And it's always about remembering that what you say is absolutely as important as how you say it. thanks for listening to be a better speaker if you'd like to help me to keep making these podcasts for you please consider subscribing right now leave a rating or leave a couple of words of encouragement be great to hear your reviews my name's graham david expert speaker and this podcast is sponsored by bluebeetle.co.uk and grahamdavid.co.uk